your way to health. That does not mean eating Big Macs every day to get to health. But now we're going to be talking about, although I do enjoy a Big Mac every once in a while. Nothing wrong with them, by the way. But anyway, eat your way to health. Amen. Let's just pray real quick before we start. Father, we are so thankful for the Holy Ghost that ministers life. Thank you for teaching through me today so that we can hear the Word of God and be changed. We give you the glory for all that you give us, your revelation, your wisdom, your knowledge, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's message is going to be about communion and uh, the next two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday. And it may be a little bit different than what you were taught, probably for the most part, most of you. Uh, How many were raised up in church? I was raised up in church. I was drugged to church. People say, did you do drugs? I said, no, but my mom did. She drugged me to church every single week. And I was just raised in church ever since I was seven years old. And uh, we went to church every time the doors were open. And, uh, And I am grateful for that. I am thankful for that. I was saved from hell uh, because I got drugged to church, and so I'm thankful for that. But there are some things that I had to unlearn. And uh, I think, you know, when you're, that's a constant, to be honest. I think it's a constant that you have to unlearn some things. And uh, because God's revelation, it's big and it's bright and it's ever-growing. And uh, I'm not saying that we compromise. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a bunch of ways. Amen. Amen. But today, in talking about communion, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you know, it just seems, does it seem to you, is it just me? It seems like there's just, the world is getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And uh, there's just a lot of sickness on the planet. And uh, the good news is, I believe that God has countered a way of this sickness. And one of the things is observing communion. Thank you for that thunderous applause. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You, let's just be open. Are you going to be open today? Everybody going to be open? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says this. For I received, this is Paul said, from the Lord, that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the brisk bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this reason, everybody say this reason. This reason many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. When I was growing up partaking of communion, communion was a scary time. It was scary because, you mean, we were just, it was drilled in us that, you know, you better examine yourself. You better make sure there's no sin in you. And you better, don't you miss one. If you miss a sin, you could get sick. 
something bad could happen to you. So you better really examine yourself. How many were taught that, that you better examine yourself? That's the majority of it. Better examine yourself. Well, the word examine in verse 28 means to test by implication, approve, to analyze. Believers themselves are approved by God. We are approved. So when it says examine, what he's saying is, are you approved by God? Are you accepted by God? Are you the righteousness of God? Do you understand that? Do you know that? That's the word examine, what it means. And listen, the Old Testament, God tried to teach us through the symbolism in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant, on Passover, the, if you and I, our family, we would take a lamb before the priest. But before we would take that lamb to the priest, for four days, they would keep that lamb in their house and examine it and look at it and just, oh, I mean, open its mouth to see if it had any crooked teeth. If it did, they'd have to get another one. They would make sure the ears are the same length, you know. If it wasn't, they would clip one. Got, okay, we're good now. But, I mean, they were, everything had to be just perfect with that lamb. The, uh, the, no fuzzies out of line. Everything had to be just, and it took them four days to do that. Then they would take this lamb to the priest, and the priest would examine the lamb. Now, listen to me. You can read in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, any time about the Old Covenant or about Passover, and not one time, are you listening? Not one time did the priest examine the person that was bringing the lamb. That is such a free. I said not one time did the priest go, hey, Mike, you're here. You need more of it. But I mean, that's not a joke. I was just trying to make a point. <laughs> Mike, your teeth, and uh, I mean, your ears, and, your, and you got freckles, and your stature. Oh, man, I just don't know, Mike. I just don't know. No, the priest never did do that. The priest never even looked at the person bringing the lamb. He would just examine the lamb and make sure the lamb, that the sacrifice was perfect and without blemish. Come on now. Are you ready to get excited this morning? So the priest would examine the lamb and not the person bringing the lamb. That was our example. When you are partaking communion, this is not a time of examining you. Mm. You say, I really believe that the devil has tricked the church in making serving God more about us than more about Jesus. When it comes even time of communion, wouldn't it be a great trick of the devil to put the focus on you and me instead of putting the focus on Jesus when Jesus all along said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say do this in remembrance of you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we need to realize that Jesus is the one that we're going to analyze. We're going to look at him and he is the one who is worthy. We sing about it, but when it comes time of communion, we take the worthiness uh, from us instead of him. To me, this makes so much sense. But I'm no, it's going to, you're really, if you were really indoctrinated to the point that, no, 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 no. You just read some more of the scriptures. We are. 
Verse 31 and 32 says this. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. See there? You got to be judging yourself. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. The world, that word judge there, it's the same word in English every time. But in Greek, in the Greek, it's a different word. For it says, for if we would judge, that word in the Greek is diakorino. If we would diakorino ourselves, we should not be, that word judge is carino. It's two different words. And then the next one is, do we, if we would judge or carino, we are chastened of the Lord, we should not be, and that word condemn is a form of judge, catacorino, with the world. The word judge in the first two words means to distinguish and decide. You need to distinguish and decide why you're taking communion. You have to distinguish and decide, was Jesus worth everything for you to even partake of communion. So your focus and your decision and your analytical mind has to go toward him, not toward you and me. People think, oh, you judge. Now, the last judge, the word judge, which is condemn, it says that we should not condemn or judge with the world. You know what that is? That one is the bad judge. But you know what he's talking about? He says, don't be like the world who doesn't know me. Because then you're going to be drawn, judgment will be drawn to you. In John chapter 12, I believe it's chapter 12, uh, it says, if I be lifted up, Jesus said this, I will draw all, every, most Bibles have the word men or peoples and it's italicized. Have you noticed that? Do you know what it means when it's italicized? It means men have added that word to it to make it seem like it should fit. But they messed up on this time. Because he said the, the subject of that few verses is judgment. Is judgment. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all. And he's talking about judgment. I will draw all judgment unto me. You and I, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Are you ready to shout amen? You and I will never, ever be judged again. Ever. I don't care what you've done or what you will do. You will not be judged by God ever again because Jesus took our judgment. That's why it's called the gospel or we call it the good news. Man. But he says, and listen, if you don't accept this. So if you're partaking of communion and you're not a believer, he says, then just know this is in your face that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has been given to you, been offered to you, and if you don't accept it, now judgment's going to come to you if you don't accept it. But that's not you and me. It wasn't the Corinthians even. So it says when we are judged, God has judged us. When we are judged, how has God judged you and me? There again, most people are raised in church that, oh, your righteousness is filthy as rags. Under the old covenant, that's true. But we have a new and better covenant. We've been made, according to Romans, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous not because of what I have done. I am righteous because of what he has done for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
So how is God judging you? He's judging you today as righteous. He's judging you as healed. He's judging you as forgiven. He's judged you as blessed coming in and going out, whatever you set your hand to. He judges you in the goodness of Almighty God and what Jesus has done for you and me. That's how we're judged today. Okay, well, how about, Pastor, when it says in verse 32 that we are chastened of the Lord? We're chastened. Now, see, in there. That just means the Lord slaps you upside the head or spanks your rear end. You know, that's what that means. No, that's not what it means. Again, you can look these words up in a Greek lexicon or Strong's Concordance. This is not my opinion. All right? Chasten means discipled. Discipled. Or what we would think of as you're trained. Trained. So we are trained. So let's put that in there in verse 32. It says, but when we are judged, we are trained of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So we're trained with all of what Jesus has done for us and what the communion represents. He's trained us so we're not going to get our judgment like the world's going to get judged. Isn't that good? Jesus is training us according to the new covenant, not according to the old covenant. He wants you and me to be trained. So when we receive the Lord's good judgment and the fact that you start recognizing that I'm righteous, when you start recognizing uh, and discern that healing is for me, God is not against you. He is for you. You have to discern that. You have to decide that. You have to analyze that. And so, but if you are, if you don't, you have to realize that, all right, are you going to receive just what the world receives? See, I firmly believe that just like I said, there is so much sickness in the world. God, how many believe that God knew this? He's not shocked that I did not know there was going to be so much disease. I did not know. He does know and always did know. And just like any good father, he says, I'm going to counter it. How many know that when the devil does something, God doesn't just barely get above it? No, when the devil has done something, it's already planned. What God knew from the foundation of the world, he's not just going to barely get it. It's always, I mean, there's no description of how great his is. And so as far as communion is concerned, it wasn't just to cover your sickness and your sin. It didn't just barely, there's no depth. It's not even on God's radar of what he has done compared to what the devil has done. I truly believe that if we have a revelation of communion, it will open up such great revelation for you to walk in health and healing. Verse 27, uh, when it says, well, what does it talk about being unworthy? Verse 27 says this, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. In an unworthy manner. So what has the church done? We've turned that to us again. Oh, I'm unworthy. I am just so unworthy. I'm a worm. I'm so unrighteous. I mess up. I'm just so unworthy. He didn't say that you can't partake of this because you're unworthy. He said, don't partake of this in an unworthy worthy manner that's night and day difference how do you partake in an unworthy manner let's just read verse 29 
1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. it says, For he who drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Listen to the Passion translation. She was talking about the Passion. I love the Passion. I'm passionate about the Passion. Anyway, verse 29 says this. For, I was corny. For continually eating and drinking with the wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. If you and I do not recognize what Jesus has done for us, then you'll just be sick and live in your sickness. All right? It says not judging or recognizing the body. Verse 30 says, this insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even dying. Wow. He says, listen, if you don't understand and have a revelation of this, that's why a lot of you are weak and sick and dying prematurely. He's trying to help you and me out today. He was trying to help the Corinthians out. Listen, you and I can partake. Listen, I partake of communion a lot more at my house than I do at church. We do it here about once a month or once every six weeks or so. I partake of communion a lot more often than at home. And I'm going I'm, I'm to challenge you. If you have some kind of chronic illness or whatever, I challenge you every day of your life you should partake of communion. Just about two or three weeks ago, I woke up early in the morning. On Sunday morning, I wake up early on Sunday. I wake up early every morning. But on Sunday morning, I woke up and, uh, man, I woke up and I went into the, I, I drink a cup of African tea every day of my life. And I was putting my African tea on and I was congested and stopped up. And so when I started to pray to God, I went, okay, God. I went. <laughs> and my first I had this rushing thought, it's Sunday and I'm going to be preaching in four hours. And so my brain said, not today. You better call somebody. You can't preach like that. I mean, be like the godfather of it. I want everybody to know. Jesus really loves you. And I mean, it wouldn't be good. You know what I mean? I was congested and head down. It was bad. It was bad. And I thought, I got to, my brain started thinking I got to call somebody. And I go, no. You know what I did? I partook of communion. I got me, and listen, don't get so legalistic. It has to be a certain kind of wine and a certain kind of bread, and it just has to be everything. Listen, if you get a little cup of water and just get a cracker or anything, it's what you believe it's representing that matters, not the actual substance. Are you there? So I got me a little shot of orange juice, and I got me a little cracker, and I said, Father, Jesus, his body was broken for me. It was broken for me so that I can have health and healing in my body. And so I'm partaking today knowing that the price was paid in full and I'm receiving that instead of I am denying this sickness to stay on my body. This body is a temple of Almighty God. Your body is the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God. Woo! 24-7, your body is the temple of God. I dare sickness try to come on the temple of God. Come on. So when you partake of communion, that's what you're doing. So I partook of that. I mean, within about an hour, I came. You didn't even know. There was no symptom or anything. I've done that so many times. I have done that so many times. And I'm going to be transparent. There's times that I've done it, and nothing happened. And I mean, I just got sicker and sicker, and I go, oh. You say, well, what's up with that? Well, there's several things. I mean, it could be endless. But the biggest thing is, is what are you believing can you really believe? If it's really severe, your brain goes, this ain't going to work. Guess what? It won't work. 
It won't work. Let me just give you a little piece of advice. Don't wait till your fever's 110 and then partake of communion. Don't wait while you're laying on bread and you can't even lift the juice cup. You're so weak. Uh, or if you take one little bite, you're going to puke it up because you're so sick. That's, you, don't wait that long. When you start to feel even yucky, that's when you want to partake of it. Amen. Get a hold of that. You know, it's like trying to fix a roof when it's storming or a hurricane outside. That's not the best time to fix your roof. So get a hold of this. And listen, I've partaken communion several times in one hour. I partake of it and just thank God and thank God. And it just seems like nothing's happening. So I'll partake of it again and again and again and again and again. I believe this. I believe there's power. It, it, it's not something magical, but it's something because of what Jesus said. You remember me and what I have done for you. You remember. You remember. And make it about him and not making it about you. All right. Did we read the, uh, the Amplified 29 and 30? Did we read the, the Passion? We did? The Passion, 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30. For continually eating and drinking with the wrong spirit. Yeah, we did read that one. The Amplified. Jump to the Amplified. How's that for quick? 1129, the Amplified. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body. So where's the focus? It's on Jesus. It says not recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body, eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of you are weak and sickly and quite enough of you have fallen into a deep, or into a sleep of death. So it says in the New King James, it says in verse 30, it says, many are weak and sick among you. I think the church around the world could say that today. And the answer to that is, are we recognizing what Jesus has done? Are we recognizing? The Corinthian church was, I mean, they were suffering unnecessarily. Like many people around the church today. And I'm not talking about Rocky Mountain Family Church. I'm talking about around the world. Listen, there should be a difference between believers and non-believers when it comes to health. There should be a difference. And don't ever, while I'm teaching this, I don't want anybody to go, oh, man, I've been sick. Don't ever feel condemned because you got sick. The devil's done that to me. You're a pastor and you're sick. That has, what's that got to do with the price of eggs in China? I mean, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Don't ever feel guilty, condemned because you're battling something. And, but you do need to watch your, your language. You know, if you sneeze a few times and somebody says, oh, what's going on? Oh, I'm trying to catch a cold. <laughs> I don't know about you, but why are you trying to catch one, man? I mean, I would try to, you should dodge it. Don't try to catch it. <laughs> but the Corinthians were suffering unnecessarily because, not because they were partying. Most people think if you read that before, they were partying. Were they partying? Yes. But that's not why they were being sick. Or Paul would have said that. 
He said, the reason that you're weak and sick among you is because you're not recognizing what Jesus has done for you. That's why you're weak and sick. why so many people are weak and sick today. We're not recognizing or discerning the Lord's body. It wasn't because you've done something wrong. You've sinned. When it comes to, to communion, I mean, let's just think rationally. Can we do that? Can you just get, not be ooky spooky spiritual with me for a minute? Let's just, let's just go the other way and say, well, you should examine yourself and make sure there's no sin in your life. That's, that's what I was raised up. Make sure there's no sin in your life in no matter what. And so, first of all, communion, it's, it's just usually, you know, just a few minutes. Most of us would need days. All of us would need more than five minutes. You all are looking real sanctified out there, but I'm telling you, <laughs> let me just clarify and put you in the same boat with me. The Bible says, he who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. sin. Oh, most of you all sin this morning. You know, like, oh, I should have taken a cup of coffee to my wife. Nah. <laughs> you sinner, you. That's the way it is. Most of, I mean, we can't count how many times this week, this day, yesterday. You can't, how many, you can't count how many times you knew to do good and you didn't do it. And the Bible says that is sin. Now, if we did try to remember all of the bad things you did in the past week or that since we've had communion, maybe that's why you should take communion every 15 minutes. That way you can remember if you sin the last 15 minutes. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, <laughs> but listen to me. If that is really it, you're going to forget what you did cutting somebody off. Most people, you can sin and not even know you've sinned. Being rude to the cashier or something, being rude to your wife, being, nobody does that here, but I mean, Somebody that you know, you can get them this CD. But anyway, uh, this is what the devil will do. And he has done this to me. You're, you partake of communion and after, after you partake of it, you remember a sin that you didn't confess. And so the devil goes, uh-huh, you missed that one. Flu is coming to you. And you can't do nothing about it. Because you already partook of the communion. It's, it's sealed. It's too, you're too late. You should have confessed it before. You didn't confess it before that. And so you would feel guilty. You go, oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, freaking huge. I did. I did. I forgot it. I forgot it. If you could hear heaven, he says, you forgot a lot of stuff, son. There's a list. And you forgot a lot. So do we really believe that? Most people do. And so guess what? What, do you, what happens? You nullify. We nullify. We don't count what Jesus has done. We're counting what we have done greater than what he has done. Did you hear me? The 
church is counting what we have done and examine us instead of counting what he has done and examine what he has done for you and me. Who's going to get the glory for that? If we've done good, oh, we've glorified. Woo, yeah, I can partake of human because I'm good and I've done this and I'm going to walk in healing. You, you just prideful sinner off of that. We have made it more about us. That's what religion has done. We have made everything about us. I have to live more holy. I have to live more righteous. I have to do right. I have to do this and I have to do that. I don't know about you, but we could not live up to that. That's why we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. And when it comes to communion, we still need a Savior. And this is why we are remembering what he has done. By the stripes of Jesus, his body was broken. His body was beaten. He partook of the curse so we would not have to. Amen? So communion equals good news for the sick and the unworthy. Communion equals good news for the sick and the unworthy. You need to just remember, just know that for a fact. It's good news. It's not a t- scary time. This is a rejoicing time. It's a time to remember that. So communion equals good news for the sick and unworthy. Don't just see, don't just see this uh, little piece of bread, a uh, little juice, and you partake of it, and you filled out your li- re- little religious square for the day or for the week or for the month, some people for the year, whatever. Some of you for a lifetime. But anyway, you just fill that out because it's just a piece of bread and some juice. No, you need to do this. And, and don't get weird on this. When people say, well, pastor, does the bread turn into the body of Jesus when you partake of it? And does the juice turn into the blood? First of all, that's just gross, okay? Just, I don't talk or think like that. This is what I do. I just do what the Bible says. It's bread. This is my body. Take, eat. This juice is my blood. Take and drink. And I'm getting ahead of myself because we're going to talk about this next week because I'm going to run out of time. But the life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And so when you are partaking of the blood, you are partaking of the life of Almighty God. And it's part of you in you and been made one with you. Can you say amen? amen? So don't just look at this. Oh, yeah, it's a little piece of bread. Oh, it's juice. No, this, I'm remembering what Jesus has done. This is representing his body. Oh, and it's been broken so my body can be made whole. My mind can be sound. Don't just think like the world and be condemned with the world. Oh, yeah, when you get past 50, you know, you start forgetting everything. What did I say? But oh, Anyway. <laughs> There's a couple of you about ready to go to sleep. So I just threw in a little, little joke just because I'm ordering 50, just a little bit. Quite a bit ordering 50. But anyway, that's for my family giving me the eye on the back row back there. But anyway, you don't think like the world. Oh, yeah, well, you're supposed to not be stable. Listen, Moses was 120 years old, and the Bible says his eyes were not dim, and his strength did not leave him. How could that be? This. How can you be older and still be rejuvenated? This. How can you be just getting older and people all around you in the world be forgetful and and just not be strong in their body, but you're getting stronger instead of weaker? This. 
I'm telling you, if you understand this, the days for the devil of lying to you because you're getting older and getting weaker and getting more defeated, you can say, no, 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 we're reversing that. We're reversing that. This is the great reverse that God has countered the devil and everybody's mentality changed. You know, I just tell them, if you watch TV with me, you would laugh because, you know, we usually watch stuff that's pre-recorded so we don't have to watch the commercials. But every once in a while, you know, like the baseball game that lasted for like forever. <laughs> I used to like baseball, but that was when it just lasted two or three hours. Holy cow. Anyway. But you'll be watching that and they'll show some commercial. It's flu season and you got to do this. And I, I talk back to the TV. It's flu season. Not for me. It's healing season. It's healing season. Woo, you better talk to it. You better talk to your body. I mean, I have talked to my knees so many times. You know, I, I played sports a lot when I was growing up. I know I'm not giant or whatever, but I, I played sports a lot. And so my knees got tortured quite a bit. And so the devil would tell me, that's why your knees hurt. And that's why your knees just act weird. And that's why your knees are painful is because of that. And then I would go, oh, yeah, that's right. You can agree with the devil. If two of you shall agree on earth, it's touching anything. So I just say, I don't care if I played for the NFL. I know that would be a stretch. I was just waiting for a response. Nobody responded. So I just, <laughs> I thought, yeah, go. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, if I did and got my knees tagged every single time, I'm not going to walk as a cripple. Why? His body was broken for me. His body was broken for me. And so, man, I'd be, I don't, can't tell you how many times I've lost count, but my knees would be hurting or whatever, and I'd just say, knee, you are part of the temple of Almighty God. You will function right. You are healed and blessed of Almighty God. And usually within a, a few hours, it, the pain's gone. There's nothing wrong with getting new knees. I mean, if you need a new knee, the doctor wants it, that's fine. But you know what? I'm going to mm, keep my knees. His body was broken so that I could be whole. Man, I didn't even get to, I got a lot further the first service and this one's even longer. I, that's, I don't know what happened, but anyway, listen to me. You believe that there's power in the community. It's not magical. It's just believing what he has done for you and me. Partake of it at home many times and believe that, man, this represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was broken so I could be whole. This represents the blood of Jesus. There is life in the blood. His life has become my life. His life has become mine. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth, it is Christ within me. In that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, we do this. I'm going to try to quote it. Let me just read it. First uh, Corinthians. Which one is it? You remember his death. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
What is so important about proclaiming his death? Because he took to the grave sickness, poverty, lack, and everything in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's called the curse. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28, 66 scriptures. You can write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first six or ten are the blessing. The rest is the curse. The reason it's important that we do this, that we do this, according to 26, it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes back. Why is it important to proclaim that about his death? Because he took to the grave your sickness and my sickness, your lack and my lack, your inability and my inability, your weakness and my weakness. He took that to the grave and he became that. That's why he had to be resurrected in a new body. And now we are married to the new body. Amen. We have become one with the new body. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. Let's stand.